right, all right. If you have your Bibles today or you have a phone or a tablet, would you turn to Genesis chapter 24? encourage you always to bring your Bibles or at least be able to access the Word of God through a phone or tablet. If you're new to the church, of course, we're going to put a lot of the scriptures on the screen for you this morning. And what we're doing with our sermon notes is we're putting our sermon notes at the info table. So if you're one of those people that really enjoyed our sermon notes, instead of putting one on every seat, there are copies of those at the info table. And and so every week you can come in and just go right to the info table and grab one. So you'll know that for next week. All right, we're going to get into just kind of a mini-series we're calling Matchmaker. Now, I have a confession to make, all right? There's something about pastors... We really enjoy trying to match people up. I don't know what it is. It has been my mission for years and years. Two things. I want a child named after me and I want to match people up. That's, that's all I'm asking for, right? You know, I text people all the time when I find out they're pregnant. And I just, whatever their last name is, I just throw mine in front of it, you know? Pastor Matt Baker at Trinity is a great friend of mine, and, and uh, so his wife is pregnant, and I said, I just texted him, and I said, Pastor Matt, I said, Matt, I need to talk to you about something very, very serious. I said, you need to get Natalie, and, and I want you to consider this. This could be God. Brian Baker. I said, it just flows, right? It just, it just flows. Well, last week, I went over to Clewiston to have lunch with Pastor Chuck Pelham, who's a friend of mine, and so... As we're sitting there, there was a young man that I knew in the church. He's probably about 22, 23 years old, and, and uh, he comes up to the table. He walks, he walked into the restaurant we were at. Clewiston doesn't have that many restaurants, so, you know, it seemed like the whole church was there. But this guy came up, and man, I just, I remember the guy, and, and he's a young guy, and he's a good-looking guy, and he's, he, he just comes across as so polite, and yes, sir, no, sir, you know, and I just thought, this is a good kid. Now, remember, I was sitting there talking to Pastor Chuck, and I said, man, is he dating anybody? It's my first question about him. He said, no. I said, man, he looks like a catch. I think I've got a few young ladies about that age. Come on now. You know what I mean? I'm constantly thinking about that stuff. Well, Dwayne White, Pastor Dwayne White, he's, he's been here on several occasions as a friend of mine, and we were having dinner one night, and And he said, man, what is it about us, pastors? We're just trying to match people up. And uh, that just seems like a mission. I've got one successful match, praise the Lord, and offspring from it, glory to God. So I'm actually a grandparent on some level. I just want you to know that. But but, uh, I want to talk to you about a different kind of matchmaker, a different kind of matchmaker. And we're going to read in a few minutes from Genesis chapter 24 because the entirety of the chapter is about a match. It's about a match. But I want to talk to you about, about a different kind of match, uh, the match that, that we're required to make throughout our lifetime, and that is the match that we're supposed to go out and find people who don't know God and match them up with the lover of their soul. His name is Jesus Christ. He loves them like no other, right? And so I want to talk to you today about evangelism. Now, let me just say, here's my disclaimer, all right? I've been preaching for 24 years, and there is no sermon that puts people to sleep quite like evangelism. The only thing that comes close is when I preach on prayer. 
Prayer and evangelism, I watch people nod off, check out. It just seems to why? Because we think we've heard it all, know it all. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at somebody today. I want you to scan the room and say to them, in your mind at least, wake up. This is important. All right? This is incredibly important. All right? And you get the opportunity to play Cupid, to be a matchmaker, and there's no greater calling than to find someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ and and pull them into an incredible, incredible relationship with Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's read this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are what? Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Paul said this to the church at Corinth. He said, we are Christ's ambassadors. And he said this, we are making God's appeal for him. Now, if that is true, and I believe it is, because it's in the word of God, then how strong of an appeal are we making? How strong of an appeal are we making? And you know, I just think sometimes, when is the last time we actually invited somebody Not just the church, which is important because we're trying to, to this year, encourage every individual in the church that by the end of the year, there'll be at least one person sitting in a seat because you invited them. That's our goal this year. One person, I want to encourage you, one person sitting in a seat because you invited them. How strong of an appeal are we making I want you to do this. I'm going to just show you a quick video. And then I'm going to come back and finish this message on Matchmaker. Now watch this video of a guy who was so far away from God. But it was the love of God that pulled him back in. Check out this video this morning. I uh, grew up in a rough and tumble Irish Catholic family. We all learned how to box and we were encouraged to uh, fight with our cousins and box with our cousins. I kind of just went off living my life. I told my mom I didn't want any part of her church. I didn't want any part of that in my life. I just was wanted to live pretty much like my dad did. I indulged myself in the uh, in the rougher side of the element time. In fact, I would beat people up for being Christians just because I thought it was fun. I had a hard time thinking that that God could forgive me for you know knocking somebody's teeth out uh, for you know selling drugs to people and, and having to come back and beat them up for collecting it. I kind of wanted to make a, uh, a clean break and I had an opportunity to move out to Virginia. Tried to be a better person, you know, did my, all my very best. Uh, somehow I equated it, uh, if I was good for most part of the week, that uh, I could go out on the weekends and just get a little, little wild, and, but I'd be all right. And then one night and met some girls, put them on my motorcycle and we were looking for this other party and we happened to drive by a uh, cop said hey pull over and I said no I I tossed the girls off the motorcycle and uh and dashed out of there and the police are like minutes behind me they luckily they didn't see the fact that I went off into the woods so I had a lot of time to sit there and think I was freezing in the woods and here I am talking to God yelling screaming at him thinking about my grandmother praying for me and there I wake up 
I'm in a church parking lot. A couple of the guys came over here at the, uh, at the church, came over and they said, uh, is there anything we can help you with? Do you, you know, do you need help getting your motorcycle started? And one of them looked at me and goes, oh, you look kind of rough, dude. You might want to go over there and get a cup of coffee and there's some donuts. Go ahead and, and uh, get something to eat. And one of them actually loaded me into his truck and gave me a ride back to the, uh, to the house where I was living. And uh, actually he invited me to church on, 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 on Sunday. So I came to church that the next Sunday and the people here were just welcoming me with open arms. Here I'm just this derelict kind of off the street. I, I held a job, but that was about the only thing I could say that was positive about me, myself at the time. And the people just embraced me and loved me. They brought me in and gave me food, invited me to their fellowship like I was one of them. And I wanted to be a member of something more than, than I was. I never really had been a member of anything other than a gang or something. So I kept coming to church here and was asking people about what God is, who he is, you know, and they were studying the Bible with me. And at that point I was, uh, I was convinced, you know, that this was, uh, this is something that I wanted to do with my life. I, I, I became a Christian and, uh, I realized now that all the love that was shown to me, I need to turn around and show to other people. And then I'm looking for the people who just, just walk in off the street. Uh, it's, 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 my calling, that's all I can say is I know that through the love that God showed me, I need to do that for other people. I love what he says there at the end. And here, of course, this is his salvation story. But he says, it's almost like he feels compelled. Listen to me, church. I feel compelled. What was given to me, I just feel the need to give out. Listen to that. What was given to me, what happened to me, I just feel this incredible need to, to help other people realize the same thing, that, that God forgave me, so I want to extend God's forgiveness to others, amen, that, that there's this need in our life to have what happened to us happen to our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our families, amen. Listen, when I was about 12 years old, I don't know if I've ever told this story or not, but when I was about 12 years old, I was, I was in middle school, man, and you know, middle school, the rough years, man, and I was, I was having a rough time with Christianity. I went to church every week because we had to, just throwing that out there, I mean, you know, there wasn't, wasn't any options, we came to church, and, but man, I really wasn't serving God, I had gotten saved about eight, and I, I wasn't completely distant away from God, but man, I was disconnected. I was in between kids, church, and youth, and I never plugged into youth, and so I was just kind of out there. I was just kind of doing my own thing, and I was in eighth grade, and, and I remember uh, on a Friday night, my brother-in-law, who goes to church here, comes as our second service, he, he said, Brian, why don't you go out on the streets witnessing with us tonight? They went out every Friday night. They'd go out witnessing. And I don't know what it was. I was just sitting there. I had nothing to do. And, and I think I was about 13, 12, 12, 13 years old. And I said to him, sure, I'll go. And here I was. I just hopped in the car. And I, the next thing you know, I'm at the Boynton Inlet just watching people fish, going, God, they need help fishing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're so lost because they're fishing. So I, I just went over them. And, and they put a bunch of tracks in my hand. I don't, at that point, I would not even know whether I was truly saved or not. And I put a bunch of tracks in my hand. He said, yeah, just go, just go hand these out. And here I am with a stack of tracks going, okay, all right. So I'm just, I'm just like walking up to people, just going, here you go, you know. And, and that started a, a path for me 
that the next really about six, seven years of my life, every Friday night, I mean every Friday night, we would go out witnessing. We'd go to the Lake Worth Beach and the kids would gather at the Lake Worth Beach and we would just go from person to person and just talk to them. We would go to New Orleans and witness at Mardi Gras. We'd go down to, to, to the Keys and witness at Fantasy Fest in October. And I've been to New York and Chicago doing street ministry. And every time there was a bowl game and football, you know, at first I would just pass out tracks. I mean, that's all I could really do. I'm like, don't ask me any questions. I'm just handing you this little track and move along, move along. Don't say anything, you know, because I felt like I don't know nothing. I'm certainly not worthy of, of having a conversation but then pretty soon I'd bring my Bible with me, have a little Bible, and I remember going to New Orleans and I would begin to share and I would begin to talk to people. I'd just go up to them and I'd just begin to, and that just started this journey because somebody just asked me, hey, why don't you go out witnessing with us? But you know what happened is, is pretty soon I, I developed a heart for the lost. I saw these people at Mardi Gras and, and Fantasy Fest and the Friday nights at the beach because it was the same kids every Friday night. So we talked to them week after week and they'd go, oh boy, here they come, you know? And I just developed a heart for them because they were lost. They were lost. I want to read to you from Genesis chapter number 24, if you're there. We're going to start in verse number one and we're just going to read the first four verses and it, and it says this in Genesis chapter number 24, verse one says, now Abraham was old and well advanced in age and the Lord had breast Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Verse 4 says, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now watch this. Genesis chapter 24, the entire, the entire chapter is the story of Abraham sending a servant to find a bride for his son. Now let me just say that again. The entire chapter takes up the story of a father. Watch this. A father sending his servant to find a bride for his son. Do you see what I'm saying? A father sending out a servant. Come on now. Who's the father? God's the father sending out his servant. That's us. To find a bride, that's the lost, right? That's our friends, that's our neighbors. Those are those, the, the ones that are away from God. To find a bride for the father's son, right? The father's son. And so here is the story of Abraham, and many people believe, theologians believe, this is his, his servant, Eleazar. And so I want to talk to you today about really how to have a heart for the lost, because it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere, and it really starts, and every one of these points is just going to have the word urgency. Just let me give you very quickly just three points. The first one is we have to realize the urgency of time, the urgency of time. The Bible says in verse number one that Abraham was old, old, huh? Now, when God calls you old, you are old. I'm saying, God, listen now. When God calls you old, you is old. You understand what I'm saying? 
The Bible says Abraham was old and well advanced in years. There's an urgency in Abraham at this moment. He did not want to pass into eternity without seeing his son married properly. And so he says to his servant, listen, this is now. This is the moment. Don't wait. This is not next year. This is not two years from now. This is not when you get your Bible degree. This isn't when you try to figure out your life, when you've got everything together, when you never sin, when you're perfect in every way. No, this is right now, right now, this moment. You've got to do it now. There is a thing called time, and it is ticking away. Sands are going down the hourglass, and there is no way to stop them. Time is ticking away. Time is ticking away. Psalms 90 verse 12 says this, Lord, teach us the brevity of life so that we can gain wisdom, so we can have wisdom. Listen, teach us how brief life is is that it is here one minute and gone the next and guess what so are opportunities so are opportunities i remember i was at a rental counter renting a car one time and i'm just i'm just kind of tapping away you know i'm i'm fidgety any other fidgets out there i'm just kind of fidgety and i tap and i I hum sometimes and i sing to myself praise the lord and so i'm just kind of tapping and i'm humming and i'm and you got a little tune inside of me. I got the music in me, you know. And so I'm just tapping away at the rental counter. And the lady says to me, boy, you're in a good mood. And I said, I sure am. And then I walked away and I got in the car. And as I was driving off, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, what did you just do? You missed the opportunity for a woman to sit there at the counter And say, boy, you're in a good mood. Right? That is God opening up this huge door. Neon signs were just kind of pointing down and saying, this is your moment. She is asking you. The fish is trying to ask, how do I get into the boat? And that opportunity, listen, opportunity, some of them are just brief. They're just windows. Now, you may have a coworker that you sit by. You see them every day. Or you may just have a moment. But regardless, listen to me, time is ticking away. None of us are promised tomorrow. There may not be another opportunity. Whether you exit the earth or they exit the earth, guess what? We're all on borrowed time. Borrowed time. So there's an urgency to time. There's an urgency at the time. And the second one is this. You have to realize the urgency of the assignment. Verse number two and three talks about Abraham saying to his servant, put your hand under my thigh. Now what that meant was is that it was a sign of submission that the hand would go under the thigh realizing that you are in submission to me But it's also giving this servant the assignment. Now, thankfully, we don't do that anymore. Praise the Lord, right? We just put our hand on a Bible or raise our right hand. But what it is, it's swearing an oath. Swearing an oath. God has given us this assignment. And 2 Corinthians 5 says it is the ministry of reconciliation. It's just this assignment. 
And whether we're called to pastor or to get involved in, in kids' ministry or do anything else, we all have the same assignment. We have different ways of carrying out that assignment, but we all have this one assignment to find people who are away from God and try to introduce them. Huh? Just introduce them. Just like I was sitting there with Pastor Chuck and and this young man comes up and and the first thing that pops into my mind, the first thing is, hmm, I just wonder, right? Is he single? Is he available, right? Because I know of some young ladies, right, that might find him a little interesting. Praise the Lord. I just felt like, okay, I think I have an assignment now. And listen, everywhere we go, there may be somebody that you work with on a regular basis. And I want you, even now as I'm preaching, maybe it's one of your friends, maybe it's one of your coworkers, maybe it's a family member or neighbor, right? Because I'm thinking of a neighbor that I have. And I think that God did not give me the house that I live in now just to give me the house. There are no just, just God just doing random things. God sets us up. And he gives us assignments. And you're on your job for a reason. You say, well, I picked it because of the money. I picked it because of the salary. I started this business. I started this. I got this promotion all because of my hard work. No, God enabled the door to open. Because somebody there needs to hear something you have to say. You have a story and you have an assignment. And what that meant for this servant was there is no option. Put your hand under my thigh. In other words, don't come home empty-handed. I don't want you to come home a month from now and go, well, I met 10 of them and, you know, I just didn't really, I didn't think any of them were any good. No, no, no. There was no option for him to come back without a bride. Without a bride. So realize the urgency of the assignment. And then the third thing is this. Realize the urgency of a lost soul. A lost soul. Abraham was very specific and said, listen, I want you to go find this wife. In other words, go looking. Somebody is out there. Go. In other words, he, he was not going to settle with, with just give it a shot, just give it a try. No, you go because I know that God is going to send his angel before us, there's going to be somebody that's going to answer the call. There's going to be somebody. You see, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is actually teaching. Watch this. Jesus is teaching. And the Bible says sinners came to hear him teach. They didn't come to hang out. They weren't his best buddies. They weren't buds, right? They actually came to hear his words. And so he was criticized for it. The Pharisees, the tax collectors, they, they, they got, I mean, the Pharisees and the, and the religious people got together and say, look at these tax collectors and sinners. They've, they've come and they've gathered. And so Jesus, in answer to their criticism, told three stories. Three stories in Luke chapter 15. The entire chapter takes up three stories. And the first story is about a lost sheep. He says, well, listen, if you've got a hundred sheep and you realize that one of them's lost, you go looking for them. And then he says this, and he says, then do you know this, that all of heaven rejoices when that lost sheep is found more than they do over the 99 that are safely tucked away? 
And then he told the story of a lost coin, and he told the story of a lost son, which we know is the parable of the prodigal son. Three incredible stories. But it was all about lost people, lost people, lost people coming in. And if we understand that, and this is why I use this word when I preach this sermon, the urgency, urgency, urgency. I've preached too many funerals of people who have slipped into eternity too soon, far too young, in a moment, here one minute, gone the next, not given another opportunity to hear another altar call, to be evangelized. They were here one minute, and they were gone the next. I remember I, I, I was in Fort Lauderdale. I told you we went out witnessing, and so every year we'd also go down to the spring break. And so we'd go down to Fort Lauderdale in spring break, and I was probably about 15 years old. And I'm walking the streets of Fort Lauderdale with another person, and again, here I am just passing out tracks. That's all I would do, right? Don't ask me any questions. I didn't feel like I was, I was good enough to answer any Bible questions they might have and, uh, or, or questions about God or his existence. I would just pass out a track, right? We all have to start somewhere, and we'll talk more about that, but... But here I am just passing out tracks. And now remember, I was just walking along the strip in Fort Lauderdale, and it was spring break, and it's packed, and people are just going wild and crazy. And, you know, here I am, 15 years old, and I'm just, I'm just handing out these tracks to. And I remember there was this young guy coming along, and he was probably in like his early 20s. And so I, I go to hand him a track, and he just kind of sloughs me off, right? Just kind of pushes me off, right? So I, I got to say something. I'm going, well, Jesus loves you anyway. Now, I'd, I'd like to say that I probably said it like that, but it might have come out a little more harsh, right? When I, when I look back, maybe I said it like, well, Jesus loves you anyway. I don't know how I said it, but, but it probably would, didn't come out as Christian as it did just a moment ago. So he turns around, and he's got two cups that say Penrods, which is a famous bar down in Fort Lauderdale, and he throws them at me. He just launches them at me. I'm probably about 15 feet away from him at this time. And he throws the cups and he just charges at me. Listen, guys, I got stories now. I got some stories. <laughs> Most of them I can't tell, but this one I can. And I get, here I am at 15 years old and this guy is just charging at me. And now, listen, I'm not spooky Spooky people spook me. I'm not one of those weird people that, you know, we see things or nothing. But I'll tell you this, out of nowhere, this giant bald guy, this huge man just appeared and just, just held the guy back, right? That's why I have loved bald people ever since. I mean, he just, <laughs> listen, now he just held this dude back. And, and, and the guy's trying to get to me, and here I am, 15. Now, at this point, you know, I, I, had, I had been training in karate, and so I was about to use my feet and run as fast as I possibly could away from there, right? So that's, that's what I was about to do. But, but I just stood there. I was frozen. I couldn't move. And the guy's trying to get to me. And this guy's huge. He's just holding him back with like one arm. Now, I'm not saying he was any... God just had this guy at the right moment at the right time. That's all I'm saying. But, but then they began to gather around him. By then, some of our other team had gotten there. And, and this guy just starts weeping. He just starts weeping. And as they begin to pray for him, they find out that his sister had just passed away. 
And he was on his way to take his car. He had just bought a, a Pontiac Grand National, which at that time was the fastest car that you could buy. And he was about to take his car, and he said he was about to just drive into a tree and kill himself. He was on his way to commit suicide. And he prayed that prayer of forgiveness as Jesus, at that moment, as Jesus Christ into his heart. We ministered to him. He no longer wanted to commit suicide. And I think to myself, what if I had not offered him a simple piece of paper? Let me tell you, I was no theologian. Like I said, I didn't want to answer a lot of questions, but, but I was at the right place at the right time. Right place at the right time. Listen, there are lost souls that are slipping into eternity every moment of every day. Some of them we know very well. Some of them are family. Some of them are blood. Some of them are friends. Some of them are complete strangers. And we're just going to get a blip, just a little, little door to minister to them. But we get the chance to be God's ambassadors, to be God's matchmakers. 